0: That's where we're headed. As you're turning there, I want to show this video. I'm going to get it right this service. So we're going to show the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Today is the Feast of the first fruits. Now there were seven of these in the book of Leviticus. Actually, this chapter right here talks about all seven of them. These first three were celebrated in the spring. And these all relate to the finished work of Jesus Christ. All of them shoot right toward that. When we talk about the Passover, that had to do with redemption. Man, we've been redeemed by the blood. The Feast of the Unleavened have to do with our sanctification. And the Feast of the Firstfruits today has to do with our new creation as in Christ Jesus. Now these feast guys, they celebrate them like I said. And these weren't optional. Man, they came together and they celebrate them. There's three more that are in the fall. That's, that's coming attractions. We've got to come back in the fall to hear those. But we're going to hit these three today. They have to do with Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. All three of them. So let's learn about the Feast of the first fruits here today. Leviticus 23, verse 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you, and you reap its harvest, Then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. So he says here when you get your first fruits, the very first thing you do is you bring a sheaf to the priest. Now, if you'll note there, it says you bring it, it didn't say you give it. And the reason it says you bring it because you can't give away what's not yours. Now, you give offerings. But when it comes to ties and the first fruits, every time you'll see, bring it, bring it. And so he tells them, bring this to the priest. Verse 11, he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord. So get this, this was usually in the spring of the barley harvest. So they would bring a sheaf of barley, they would, they would give it to the, the uh, priest. He would take it and he would wave it before the Lord. So it was, it was a wave offering. Now, I said this in the first service, guys. We're not going to do the wave in here. We're not going to have each say. That's not what we're talking about. That he would sit there and he, they would wave it before the Lord. And the reason that they, they would wave it before the Lord is, man, they were acknowledging. man, God has blessed us. God has brought us here. This was great honor to Father God. They didn't take this lightly. So he goes on to say here, And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. So what day is the Sabbath? Saturday. So it said they did this on the day after the Sabbath. So what day would that be? Sunday. So these people here, they had a convocation. They assembled at the church on Sunday to bring their their barley. And this was a great time, guys. This was a, a a great feast. When you look into the New Testament in Matthew 9:28, it talks about the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest. Now that was about salvation. That was about people becoming a new creation reality. And so every bit of that in the New Testament, it funnels toward people. You know why? Because people are important to God. Every person. And so I'm just beginning to move you a little bit because remember, all this in the Old Testament, it shadows the New Testament. Now look what happens in verse 12 after they bring the first fruits, And you shall offer on that day When you wave the sheaf, a male lamb of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. Kind of sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? He was the lamb without sin, without being blemished. Look to the book of Exodus, back to your left. Genesis, then Exodus, Exodus 13. Exodus chapter 13. And as you're turning there, guys, God is the God of the first fruits. God loves the first. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. And you'll find out over and over and over that God wants the first of your day. He wants the first of your words. He wants the first of your money. He wants the first of your life. God is big on this. Exodus 13, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate or set apart to me. All the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. Now this wasn't optional, guys. This was God's. So we've seen already that God liked the first fruits, and God right here talks about the firstborn, whether of man or of animals or beasts. So you keep reading in this, and in this chapter you would find out that he deals with three things right here. Clean animals, unclean animals, and humans. The clean animal was always the lamb. Always the lamb. And so he's telling them, the firstborn of even the clean, that lamb, is mine. Now this was a step of faith for them because they had to give the first. They had no guarantee that there would be more lambs that would be born. And so it would be a lot easier than if I'd say, well, Lord, I'm going to give you my fifth one or my sixth one. But no, God said, I want the first one. And the only guarantee they had was Father God's word. And Father God said, you give me that first and I'll redeem the rest. The second one was unclean animals. An illustration of that would be a donkey. A donkey was considered unclean, but a donkey still had value. And so when that firstborn of the donkey was born, they had two options. They could break its neck and kill it. Or once again, they could redeem it by sacrificing a lamb instead of its place. But it took a lamb once again. The third one was the, the, the firstborn. The firstborn. And so if you, you go back in scriptures and look here, to give the firstborn or to have it sacrificed, that would be murder. And so he said, instead, sacrifice a lamb again. That lamb would redeem them. Now, it's important to understand this, guys, that every human being born into this earth is born unclean. I wish we had a newborn baby in here. Think about a newborn baby. Innocent, precious, but also unclean. And you say, well, how's that? Well, because of the sin nature within every one of us because, Adam, when you come into this earth, you're unclean. You've got a sin nature. Some of you say, no, we don't. Well, did you ever take classes on how to learn to sin? No, I never went to school as a five-year-old to learn how to lie, to cheat, to steal. Why? Because I had that sin nature. And so the only thing that would take care of my sin nature was this lamb. And when that lamb would be sacrificed, it would cover. It would cover everything that I've always done. And they knew this, guys. And so what happens here, the first one redeems all the rest. Go to Deuteronomy, back to your right, Deuteronomy chapter 26, Deuteronomy 26, and so you get in a little bit that God is the God of the first, he loves the first, he wants to be first place in our life and all we say and do even, Deuteronomy 26, verse 1, and it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of your ground. Didn't matter what it was, whether it was barley, whether it was wheat, whether it was grapes. The first was God's. Once again, you see this. And you shall bring it from your land that the Lord God has given you. And you shall put it in a basket, go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. The church usually is what it's talking about. A testimony of his deliverance. And his provision. And you shall go to the one who is priest in those days and say to them. I declare today to the Lord your God. That I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers and gave us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hands. And he will set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. So what would happen guys. They would bring the first fruits they had. They would give it to the priest. The priest would take it out of the basket. And he would lay it at the altar. Now, the Jews in those days, they understood this, guys. It would leave their hand, but it wouldn't leave their life. It was a sacrifice. And once again, they had to do this by faith. They had no guarantee that there would be more. But they said, Lord, we're going to honor you because you told us to do this. And so what goes on here in verses five, or ten, 5 through 10, they recite this. Now listen to what they recite, starting in verse 5. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God. My father was a Syrian about to perish, and he went down to Egypt. And he dwelt there, few in number, and there he became a nation. Great, mighty, and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice, looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror and with the signs and wonders. He has brought us to this place and has given us a land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought what? The firstfruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship the Lord your God. So guys, this was a great time of worship. It was acknowledging what Father God had done for them. And think about some of the words there. They said, we were oppressed. We were afflicted. We were in bondage, but look what God has done. He's brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey. I believe He still wants to do that today, and I can stand here before you today and I think He's brought me out of bondage. He's brought me out of a prison, guys. I've been in bondage to things, not no more because of what He's done. And so this was a great time to reflect and worship what God had done, and said, "Thank you, Father God." But it took faith again to give their first fruits. And so, what does this mean to me and you in the New Testament? Go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, as you're turning there, guys, the spring feast that we've talked about here, they have to do with the finished work of what Jesus has already done. The finished work. I want to highlight that that is what you'll see in all these. What is the finished work of Jesus? Well, redemption, sanctification, and also being a new creation. And every one of these guys you'll see his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now I want to highlight something again to you. Jesus has already done it. He's already done it. He's paid that price And so I want you to see some things here in the Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, or let me remind you, I declare to you the gospel. You know what the gospel is? It's salvation. The gospel is good news. It's glad tidings. I don't know about you, but man, I thank God for the good news. There were times in my life I was down and out and thanked the Lord for the gospel. Keep reading here. Which I preached to you, which also you received. Now, every one of us, when the Word of God is brought forth, we have an opportunity to receive it. How do I receive it? I receive it by faith, guys. I don't earn anything from God. I receive the things of the kingdom of God. And right here, he tells us, by receiving it, and once you receive it, in which you stand when it talks about in which we stand, you know what that means? My faith rests. My faith rests because the Word of God says this. The Word of God tells me what all I can be, what all I can have, and what all I can do. I want you to get this today. You can be whatever the Word of God says you can be. You can have whatever the Word of God says you can have, and you can do whatever the Word of God says you can do. I don't care who you are in here, you've got to grab a hold of the Word of God today. Verse 2. By which also you are saved, if you hold or you keep fast that which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain or you believed for nothing. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also receive, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. You know what? You don't have to believe that. But I choose to believe that. I choose to believe that this man named Jesus came to the earth and he died for my sins. And I put all my hope and all my faith in that. That he died for my sins. Verse 4, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I don't know if you caught it there. But in verse 3 and 4, it talks about Jesus' death, his burial... And his resurrection in all three of those. I believe in every bit of that, guys. How do you believe, Pastor? And I read the Word of God, and the Word of God comes alive to me. Now pick up with me, same chapter, verse 20. But now, Christ is risen from the dead and has become, not going to become, but has become. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, what he's talking about here, guys, they've fallen asleep. They're dead physically. Physically, they are absent from the body, but present with the Lord. Now, right there is the first fruits of the harvest. You know what that means? All the ones that died and had faith in a God, Jesus came for them also. Now, don't stop right there. Keep going with me. Verse 21. For since by man, or we could read it, for since by a man came death. What does that mean? By one man named Adam, death infected every one of us. That's where our sin nature came from. By one man also came the resurrection of the dead. Jesus is who's that talking about. And so when you look at this, God redeemed man by a man. And the reason He did that, God had to make it legal, and that's the only way it became legal. How'd that happen? Jesus was born, that of a virgin. He walked this earth for 33 years. He was tempted and tried, just like me and you, but the Bible says, without sin. So when Jesus died on that cross... He was a perfect sacrifice. Keep reading. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So you know what this is talking about right here? My life and yours will identify with either one or two things. It will identify with Adam and that sin nature. Or it will identify with Jesus and that redeemed nature. Now, for 20 years of my life, guys, the only thing my life identified with was the sin nature. And guess what that sin nature did? It sinned. And it sinned rather well. But when I gave Jesus my heart and I received Him, He came on the inside of me and He changed my heart. Now, in Scripture, in Matthew 3, 3, Jesus Himself said to this man named Nicodemus, He said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, how do I enter my mother's womb the second time? And Jesus wasn't talking about that. He was saying, when you give your heart to me and you receive me, I come on the inside of you and I start changing you from the inside out. And that's what he wants to do for every one of us. Now keep reading. Verse 23. But each one in his own order Christ, the first fruits, afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. So this is talking about here, guys, the second coming of Jesus. The first we talked about was all the dead. But the second coming of Jesus will be the, the first fruit of the harvest of all of us that are left. And Jesus is coming back to harvest all of us that are still alive right here. And we talked about that. How the dead in Christ will rise and then who here on earth we're going to ascend with him. And remember there'll be a shout and a blast of the trumpet. But it highlights here we become the first fruits. Now when you look at this guys, Jesus is the first fruits of the new creation. And by a faith identification I become born again. How does that I don't earn salvation, guys. Just because you've gone to church for 33 years doesn't mean nothing. I receive salvation by a faith identification. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, I'll be saved. And so Jesus became the the first fruits by a faith identification. How does that tie in with the first fruits that we talked about or the feast of the first fruits? Well, think about this, guys. In the Old Testament, it took a lamb. The first one. That was without spot. So he was clean. He was unblemished. He had no sin. And he became the sacrificial lamb. The problem with that was... Every time they made a mistake, you know what they had to do? They had to slit a lamb's throat. Now you know what would happen in my life? I would have just been better off to carry a knife in my pocket. Because I did a lot of sinning. And even after I was born again, I still made mistakes and sinned. Do you know in the Old Testament it says that in one setting, Solomon sacrificed a thousand lambs? Can you believe all the blood and everything that took place? And so when we look at it in that sense, they understood the cost. When you start killing a thousand of your lambs, it's going to cost you something. So you know what I begin to see? They place great value on the blood. I believe me and you ought to take pl- uh, place great respect and honor on the blood. Too often in our lives, in my life, it's very easy for me to come down here to the altar, repent of my sin, and say, thank you, Lord Jesus, and walk away like, ho-hum. But what happened with Father God is this. He believes in the first. And so Father God gave His first. Father God Gave his only begotten son. Now you fathers in here that have sons, I want you to think about this thing. maybe you don't have a son, maybe even a daughter. What would it do to you to sacrifice your son? And not only sacrificing, but sacrifice him when you know he didn't do anything wrong. but Father God said this. I'm going to give my son the first fruit, and I'm going to give my best. And Father God sowed Jesus, his son, in hopes of receiving a family. Now, when Father God sowed Jesus, guys, he had no guarantee. And what I mean by that, the guarantee was this. I'm going to sow him in faith, but I don't know if Erica's going to receive him. I don't know that Eddie's going to receive him. And so Father God said, I'm going to go ahead and do it because I loved humanity that much. And so there was a huge sacrifice paid for me and you. And this is where we come up with the first fruit. And Father God knew this. The first carries the blessing. And so the first one redeems all the rest. It makes the blessings come upon us. Now turn to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want you to see this today. This is how the first roots ties with us. There was a lamb that was shed once and for all. Now, the thing me and you have to do, we got to learn to apply the blood every day. Come under the blood every day. If you're still sinning, come under the blood. If you're still making mis- come under the blood. And I tell you right now, just begin to say, Father God, I come under the blood of Jesus today. I come under... When you have crazy thoughts, Father God, I come under the blood. I speak the blood over my thoughts. When I have great or, or problems with my eyes, Father God, I come under the blood. Because the blood will continue to cleanse you. It will wash you. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Get this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Now get that. If anyone is in Christ. No guys, anyone. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creation. I'm a new reality in Christ Jesus. Too many times, though, we think this, I don't feel that way. I don't look any different, but yet i got to receive this by faith. And I believe it's powerful just to agree with the Word of God. That if you've given your heart to Jesus, you start saying, I'm a new creation in Christ. Behold, old things have passed away. He's made my life new. Do you have skeletons in your closet, Pastor? Absolutely I do, but you know what? That old man's dead. He's dead. And every now and then, you know what he tries to do? He tries to rise up. "Not get back in the grave. Get back in there." And every now and then, you know what people try to do? They try to remind you of your past. He's dead. He's dead. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a new creation in Christ. Verse 18. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us. Now that word reconcile there is the process by which God and man come back together. And this is made only possible through the blood of Jesus. Only through the blood. That's what I'm saying, guys. you got to come into the blood. I'm telling you, you can do a hundred hell marriages; today. They ain't going to do nothing for you. You can come in here and pray all day. The thing is, I've got to come into the blood. He's reconciled me. He's made me where I have a covenant relationship with my Father. And then you know what this helps me? God loves me. God's for me. God's not mad at me. God loves you guys. He's aware of you today. when He looks at you, He doesn't say, Oh Jesus, we got a doozy in that Ken Richburg. Oh my gosh. He doesn't say that. He knows what He's getting. You know why? The blood covered it. The blood took care of it. So he's reconciled us. Keep reading. To himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, me and you, the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their past trespasses to them and has committed us the word of reconciliation. So you know what that means? God doesn't sit there and say, and he sinned. Philip sinned and he sinned. Look. God doesn't want to remember your past. And when I come under the blood of Jesus, you know what he starts seeing? He sees me through Jesus' blood. He looks at me and says, That's my boy. That's my girl. I had a chance to shout, and he didn't. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. You know, a lot of you didn't realize you're an ambassador for Christ. It's just like right now in America. We have ambassadors all over the world. They represent our nation. Guess what? Me and you are ambassadors for Christ. God wants to use you guys. You're the salt of the earth. So you know what this tells me? Not only does God want to get you saved and born again, He wants you being a representative of His all over this earth. He wants you to begin to share the good news. So we're ambassadors for Christ. We are pleading those, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. It's big that you understand that and you begin to confess that. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am in right standing with God because of my Father. I am the righteousness. I'm going to tell you right now, I do many of you a good every day to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Look at yourself in the mirror of your car. Don't look very long or some of you get in trouble the way you drive as it is anyhow. Just real glance for some of you. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Christ has qualified me. I am a partaker of the inheritance in light. He has, he has redeemed me. He has moved me out of the power of darkness into the power of light. He's transferred me out of the realm of darkness into the power and the translation of light or the, or the kingdom of light. But i got to get where I received this by faith and start realizing He died. He paid a price for me. So number one, His goal is every one of us to get born again. But that's... That's step A. That's just point A. Look in the same chapter, verse 15. I want you to see something here. And he died for all. Last time I looked in Webster's, all means all. He died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves. So here's the process. When I get born again, God doesn't want me just to live, I'm saved. Who cares? Bless me, my wife, my two kids, us four no more. No. God said that we're not to live for ourselves. So when I get born again, there should be a change in my heart. There should be a change in my heart. You know what that means? It should bother me when I sin. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect overnight. But when you do sin, when you do things that you shouldn't be doing, God convicts my heart. And I repent and I come back under the blood and I say, Lord, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live for you. But look how he ends here. That we should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and rose again. So I get born again. And I have a change in my heart. And as long as I stay under the blood and keep serving Jesus, I have a change in my actions, my behaviors. See, the worst example of a Christian is when we honor God with our mouth, but we let Him down in our actions. That's what the world finds simply amazing. When we as believers talk the talk but we don't walk the walk. So ultimately, here's what happens, guys. I get born again. And I start allowing God to move in my heart. And every time I blow it, I repent. I come back under the blood. Woo, the blood, the blood, the blood is moving me. And I start finding out what the Word of God says. And I start becoming a disciple of Christ. Where I start living for Jesus in every area of my life. And then guess what? There's a change in my action. And when there's a change in my action. People begin to notice and they say. I knew you when you were a sinner. What happened? This guy named Jesus came into my life. And Guys I'm telling you to this day. When I go back to where I grew up in Clovis. People will still look at me and say. I can't believe what you do for a living. And I look back and say, I can't either. It's as big a shock to me as it is you. But what ends up happening, guys, is they see a change in my nature. Most of them grew up with me, and I'm telling you, man, when I go eat with my brother in Clovis, and he's pastored now for 34 years, he's not nearly the pastor as me, but he's pastored for 34 years. Thank you. But they'll look. And you know what they'll say? If Jesus can can save you too. He can change anybody. That's our reputation. The things we did all those years. But guess what happened? We received Jesus. And we stayed under the blood. Were we perfect? We weren't perfect then and we're not perfect now. But when I mess up, I get back under the blood. I get back under the blood. And I've grown, and I've grown. And let me tell you this right now. As a believer, anything that's healthy will grow. And some of you today, your spiritual growth has been stunted. Some of you today, you don't know Jesus. Some of you today are where you were 10 years ago. God wants you moving up. He wants you to live for Him. But i got to come under the blood and i got to realize I am the righteousness of God in Christ and give Jesus permission to move in your life and then when He starts moving in your life respond to Him. Why does He move in my life? He convicts my heart. The Holy Spirit was sent John 8, uh, 16, 8 to convict the world of sin. We have people that come to church here and you know what they'll say? I don't want to go to church there. Every time I go there I get convicted. Good. That means the Holy Ghost is at work here. And some of you are being convicted right now. Can't say amen, say oh me. That's good when we get convicted of sin. That's God working in me. You know why? He's wanting to move you to a higher area of ambassador where he looks and says, I can trust them with this. I can use them here. And in Matthew 16 and 19, he says this I give you the keys of the kingdom. I give you the keys of the kingdom. You know what that tells me? Jesus has already done everything he's going to do, and he's done. And so, you know what he does? He pitched Philip the keys and said, You got the keys. You got the keys. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So you know what this is? This is the beginning of salvation. But I start walking it out and I understand I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And i got a right in the name of Jesus to speak things onto this earth. Because He lives in me. He lives in me. And God's not a God of entitlement. God is a God that will say, I'll bless those ones who will move out. I'll bless those ones. That'll continue to grow and let the Holy Ghost convict them. Stand up for you, stone me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's the sacrificial lamb right there. That's the f- clean me up.